RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. The Trek Files, Season 2, Episode 22, Star Trek Enterprises Catalog Number 1, 1968. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Well, welcome back, Star Trek fans, Star Trek background fans, all you canonistas out there, and of course, all you Trekophiles who are spelled with an F. We've got a delightful show this week. Uh, we're going to dive way back to the beginning of Star Trek. No, 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 not the Cage era. We're going to skip ahead, oh, a humongously long two or three years beyond that, to the very beginnings of Star Trek commerce and Star Trek fandom in the very baby steps. Of course, as always, you can go and find our document of the week at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Trek Files. Get our document, read along with us because it's the very first catalog for anything Star Trek. And we've got two, yes, two count them, very special guests this week that are here to talk about it with us. So take a listen to just one part of that catalog and we'll be right back with those guests. Film Clip Frames, an exclusive television first. No other show has ever made an offer like this. Individual frames from the actual 35mm film shoot for Star Trek. These are the first print daily originals from the very film that runs through the cameras while they film the show. Each film clip set contains eight different shots of the subject listed. No two clips are the same. Scotty tells us that these frames will fit into half-mount holders available in camera shops for viewing in a home 35mm projector. Hurry! These sell fast. No single frames available. Sets may not be broken. Per set, order by number, $1. All right. Well, I hope you're smiling wherever you are in hearing this <laughs> episode because it really takes us back to the beginning in a whole different way. We're not going to deal with scripts and memos and, well, maybe some personalities, but we're, we're on to the fun, you know, the, the, the Christmas morning side of fandom, okay? And I cannot think of who better to share it with me. I want to welcome to the Trek Files, B. Joe and John Trimble. Do I even need to introduce these two? <laughs> Grandma and Grandpa fandom, is that one of the titles you go by, B. Joe? <laughs> no, as a matter of fact, a reporter once asked me if I was known as Ma Trek, and I said, not and not, no. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, no offense intended. It's just great to have you here. There are so many aspects of Star Trek that uh, you're the best people to ask. I, I'm just so lucky to have you here today. I'm glad you could be with us. But, you know, so this catalog, we've been sitting here smiling and, and, and laughing about a lot of these things. But I want to back up just a second before we get to the catalog days and everything with Star Trek and Gene Roddenberry and talk about where you're from originally and then how very quickly how you even met Gene in the first place because i mean maybe i need to say B Joe and John who ran the mail writing campaign that saved the show after the second season were in the offices and put together the first catalogs and the first newsletters and then very famously um, took on the concordance the famous star trek concordance and so many aspects of this in the day it's just what needed to be done it's what people want it's what fans demanded it's what but we look back now, and some of these things were pioneering. They were, they're, now we talk about pop culture and all the buzzwords, but 
this is these are all aspects that had never had where no fan had gone before, as the yeah. newsletter came to be called, right? I mean, right. but at the time, you're not thinking that. You're just thinking we got to get this done, right? Right. But tell me how you two found how you're science fiction fans. How did you find Gene? Okay, <laughs> we uh, we've been doing costuming for within science mm-hmm. fiction fandom for years. And Beecho had come up with this idea for a futuristic fashion show where fans who did costuming and so on would submit ideas for futuristic costumes, and we'd we'd select a number of them to be made up, Mm -hmm. either by them or by somebody else, and then we'd, we'd put on a futuristic fashion show at the next World Science Fiction Convention. Okay, that's what, so this is for the next World Con, which would have been 66? 1966 in okay. Cleveland, Ohio. The famous Cleveland. Okay, 66 <laughs> World Con. So we had a friend who, who was a good friend that lived, lived near us at the time who was going to put on the show. And <laughs> now, we were running the art shows for the World Cons at the time, so we had a lot of of other duties at the convention. And um, she finked out on doing this by coming down with acute appendicitis. <laughs> the nerve. <laughs> yeah. Or the lack thereof. So, so she handed me, Joe, a group of a file of three-by-five cards rubber banded together and said, here, you do it. <laughs> so there we were. Um, we and this were, is Worldcon, the World yeah, Science Fiction Convention, where the Hugos are voted and, yeah. and awarded, among mm-hmm. other things, right? Well, and, and John and I were setting up the art show. So, uh, you know, uh, that's why Louise was going to be handling the fashion show. And so here I am. <laughs> and the problem was with this convention is that uh, uh, this overly officious little character really didn't think that anything like this was necessary. And, you know... He was a print science fiction person, by God. None of this media stuff. Basically, he came up and he said, you know, you have exactly an hour, one hour, we'll cut you off at that point. And, you know, so that's how long you have to do the fashion show. And I said, get out of my face, go away. So <laughs> let me just for everybody listening. Let's, this is before Star Trek, before Star before Wars, Star before media. Right? Yeah. TV film was barely Day the Earth Stood Still and Unforbidden Planet and Metropolis or whatever, and barely Twilight Zone and barely yeah, um, there were uh, first season of Lost in Space, but yeah, then that was being laughed off the. There, right. there were there were. A, a few science fiction um, shows, but they weren't. They were right. anthology mm-hmm. shows. And Comic Cons really were people rifling through boxes of comics, and that was a Comic Con, yeah, right? It was a yeah. Comic Con. World Con really was the largest yeah. and most serious uh, science, sci-fi. Science fiction writers even came to the to oh, sure. the conventions, and and you know, so uh, they're they were very different from what Star Trek fandom has developed. I mean, con- conventions right. have developed into. So anyway, I'm doing the show. Now I have all these amateurs. Amateurs do not move the same way that professional models move in the sense that they don't come out in an orderly fashion and keep it moving. So um, I'm trying to time this and get it, you know, so I don't have to cut any costumes. But this and is fandom underlying all of back, that. Yes. <laughs> and back comes this officious little character, and he says, we, we need to put three more costumes in the fashion show. And I said, no. 
And he said, well, it's a big uh, report, uh, uh, producer from Hollywood, and we promised him. And I said, well, go on, promise him. Uh-huh. He said, you're not going to bring any more costumes. And who is this? And he said, Gene Roddenberry. Never heard of him. Go away. So pretty soon, this tall gentleman comes up, and he said, are you B. Joe Trimble? I said, yes. And he said, well, I'm Gene Roddenberry, and I'd like to talk to you. Twenty minutes later, that silver-tongued devil had talked his way into the fashion show. However, part of that was because the um, young models who had been hired to model Jean's costumes uh, were looking at a at a holiday weekend job go down the drain and offered to help run the show, be starters and so on mm-hmm. and so forth, which... And I said, yeah, okay, fine. (laughs) So um, the costume was uh, from What Are Little Girls Made Of, the Andrea costume. And the model looked amazingly like Sherry Jackson. And and the other two costumes were from uh, Mud's Women. Okay. So they were really sexy costumes, and they uh, were a big hit out in the audience. So... um, um, and that was uh, that was basically what ha- what happened. And they, then Gene said, "Well, next time you're in Hollywood, give me a call. We'll do lunch." And I I thought, "Yeah, yeah, you know. I mean, come on." <laughs> usual Hollywood. Now, where was home for you? Uh, Oakland. Yeah. It's a oh, okay, okay. Yeah. And so, um, but John's job took him t- out to various mm-hmm. places, and we. Uh, and- Frequently to LA for various mm-hmm. down from Oakland, right? So, so, so what? So then, something turned the corner. How did you get enmeshed in in Trek? Well, and this is, and again, this, the WorldCon '68 '66 convention was where he famously showed, I think, uh, the pilots. Yes. but no one had seen Star Trek on no, TV no. yet. It we was had, still yeah. another week or so away from yeah. premiere. Right. He was doing it to promote the show, but no one had any idea it was about to hit them. Right. Right. So what he showed was the cage. And he showed where no man's gone before. Mm-hmm. So, uh, oh, and, and uh, an episode, the, the salt sucker, salt sucker, uh, yeah, the man trap, man trap. Yes. <laughs> so, <clears throat> and the audience reaction was very enthusiastic, <laughs> but guardedly so, mm-hmm. because we had been promised um, adult, mature. Science fiction before, and it had devolved into kitty shows. Right. Yeah. So we Wished were suspicious. Wished the bottom of the ratings. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and um, <coughs> lost in space. Right. Yeah, oh yeah. So basically, uh, we were, you know, the fans were saying we really, really like this, but let's see what right. happens. And um, so by the time that we were going down to Los Angeles, several episodes had been shown. Now, understand that at this point, Gene had been, lots and lots of people had told him, this won't work, this won't sell, this will last maybe three episodes. And, you know, because it was unusual and, and you know, it didn't follow. And the empty suits didn't get the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, at all. Right. Now, that actually set something. Gene really was a loose cannon. You weren't sure mm-hmm. what he was going to do next. And the reason <laughs> the result was that that everything John G wanted to do, um you know, it both Paramount and pardon me, Desi Lu and um and NBC twitched mm-hmm. because they weren't sure 
you know, what cockamamie thing this man was going to do. Now, there was ways of controlling that, but they didn't study that. So anyway, yeah. So we went down to L.A. and I said, let's call this guy's bluff. So uh, we phoned him. And um, no, Gene never closed his office door. His outer office door. His, yeah. So, <laughs> he closed his inner office door yeah. plenty of times. But yeah. he was, you know, mm-hmm. uh, he heard Penny say. Penny Unger, his yeah, assistant. Yeah. Secretary. Penny, right. Say, Bejo Trimble? And he picked up the phone. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he said, hi, where are you? Um, you know, uh, and I, I, I said, we're right here in Hollywood. And he said, well, come over for lunch. Well, and, good on him. Yep. And so that's so that's it actually what happened. happened. And then, how did we get from there to coming up with this? I mean, how yeah. did the whole catalog come? We're on the catalog this week here. What how, what are the roots of that then? Because that was your first. That was our first. That predated the mail right? campaign, or oh. no, after. Oh, okay. What? Oh, uh, the catalog uh, was afterwards. Okay. The, our first visit was definitely before the. Uh, uh, right. the catalog after the the um, uh, save Star Trek campaign and um, John had been his job was shifted down to Los Angeles but of course it was one of these things of also shifting him right out of um, his position and so wow. we were jobless for mm-hmm. a while and Gene um, uh, had an idea that since the studios weren't doing any merchandising that he could do it and so, um, and of course, merchandising and licensing was was infancy. Yeah, was in yeah, its infancy. Yeah. There's nothing and, at all like. Yeah, and, and Paramount uh-huh. had absolutely no idea of how to merchandise mm-hmm. Star Trek, or the potential, or what the audience. No, no, no clue. They right. didn't, I mean, and they didn't care. They really didn't. <laughs> they put out a kitty blackboard with that said Star Trek on it, mm-hmm. and had the Enterprise upside down. Of course. But it was nothing got out of the realm of the take something existing and stamp Star Trek on it. That's it, uh, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, quite a bit of that. Um, right. And they ne- they never got the idea straight that it was adults who wanted the pajamas with Star Trek on them, not little kids. You know? <laughs> and and um, it, so a lot of stuff ended up in thrift shops. You know the mm-hmm. the the uh, and so. Um, but that was later. Uh, for for the, the business, then um, we See, said we've we've done mail order business uh-huh. before, so we can put something together for you. Now, off we Gene's were, idea of some kind of mail order for off, what? Because yeah. they were yeah. getting fan mail in, and people, oh, of course, no. photos and bios, yeah. and that's a kind of a token yeah. thing of any TV right. show would have. Yeah. But it go, it went beyond that, right? People wanted. Right. Yeah. Well, when when you got an extra we, phaser or an extra triple, send me mm-hmm. one. We right? did. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we did. You know, we handled the, the fan mail for a little while after the show mm-hmm. was canceled. And uh, oh, what were you saying? What actually got the most mail? Of all the cast of Star Trek, who actually got the most mail? The Enterprise, the ship, the yes, ship. the starship, yes, which didn't really exist. Well, excuse me. Of course, we all know it really yeah. exists. Hello, but it's sitting in this air and space museum. Exactly, what do you mean it doesn't I'm, exist. <laughs> but it was really not up to snuff about autographing photos. No, no. So, what did you do with all well, that request? For some <laughs> of the some of the photos came through printed with an autograph. And mm-hmm. autograph. <laughs> the actor, the headshots, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But 
uh, the Enterprise, of course, was a plain picture of the ship. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we would get letters from these, these kids wanting an autographed picture of the Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> so Bicho got very good <laughs> at doing something like, Dear Johnny, uh, stay in school. Yours truly, the USS Enterprise. B. Joe, did you forge the USS Enterprise's signature? I did. Forged it's in the signature entirely. Hundreds and hundreds of those are Well, you know, I mean, the ship just couldn't be bothered doing it, so. (laughs) (laughs) It was just shields up when it came to doing promotional. We couldn't get the ship down to Earth (laughs) (laughs) to do this. Yeah, I, I do wonder if there's still pictures like that somewhere in the world you know oh there have to be because you did what how many hundreds of those during the time yeah yeah Yeah. and you know i know we went through at least two packages well the packages were you know right uh, a little they would send you're saying a foot tall there 15 inches tall yeah Yeah. about that so what did any of the actors say when they found out that uh, we didn't tell them we were forbidden <laughs> to tell them. We were forbidden to tell anybody who got the most mail. Okay. Very smart. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we were able, we did, all of Nimoy's fan mail was sent over to whoever his Vicky, uh, whatever assistant was. Mm-hmm. was. That was his personal assistant. Nichelle wanted all of any pictures with APO addresses. Or FBO addresses, mm-hmm. and she uh, would active service, yes, yeah, yeah. P- service people. She right. would tell us to go ahead and include one of the Star Trek ones, but she wanted all those, <laughs> and she'd mail out an autographed picture from her nightclub act, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a lot skimpier costume <laughs> than even a skimpy red skirt. Yes, right. So the mail order, I mean, the, the fan club handling, the fan mail right, handling right. preceded the cataloging. But And these came out of Gene's ideas. But, I mean, there are some classic ideas. We had the section of the film clip frames, which mm-hmm. has been the basis. That was before, long before digital, before doing frame grabs from VHS tapes. Right. Yeah. People, you could either take a Polaroid off your TV screen or these were godsend. And we were we were smiling about some of the histrionic language there. But it really was. Again, Star Trek is, is breaking the paradigm here and inventing something that no one else had ever... Because we there was never to, a demand for anything. We had to send an instruction included with the film clips on this that if you were going to have prints made from them, we shouldn't have said that, but if you were going to have <laughs> prints made from them, tell the processor emulsion side up. Otherwise, because it would be backwards. Slides, were printed the other way. Well, see, that's the th- no, but that became a huge um, fan commodity, fan yeah. niche of, of collecting. Were the mm-hmm. film clips because yeah. research nonfiction people? If you wanted your Captain Kirk or your Doctor McCoy shots, mm-hmm. you had that. But there's the decals, the insignia here, the stickers, the the famous flight deck certificates, which they still have, the letterhead, but also eventually scripts. The writer's guide. Right. You know, we did have the savviest. Well, they fan had. Base. Oh, yeah. Thank you. They had. We had to mail everything flat, and so just about anything that we that could be flat was was you know. And the reason for that was we weren't making enough money to buy boxes, uh, nor did we have storage for mm-hmm. them, and we weren't at Paramount. Gene set us up in an office. We uh, were in an office. Slightly larger than the studio. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, That's all you need. So, um, yeah, our first our first week on this was simply dividing all the mail that we got from the Star Trek. I mean, the um, yeah from from the Star Trek mail 
at Paramount then, it was by that time, and um, uh, dividing it up so by zip code so that we could deal with it. And there were uh, well, there was a lot of mail. I can tell you almost exactly when that office was set up too, mm. because Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated two days after we set that office up. So April sixty eight, yeah. early April fourth, nineteen sixty eight. Right. Well, that's the other backdrop of all these events we're talking about, and we've got more to come here. I want to have you guys come back, because 68, aside from being a pivotal year for Star Trek, was the year of Martin Luther King's assassination, Bobby Kennedy's assassination, the Nixon-Humphrey election, the Chicago riots, and and the turmoil that ended up with uh, Apollo 8 circling the moon is a bright spot at the end of a messy year. Yeah. Well, Star Trek was a bright spot, and a lot of people said that... It was something they could tune into, just that wasn't horrible news, and um, and that didn't feature horrible people, and um, uh, basically uh, they came to rely on that as a bright spot in a year that you know wasn't really all that nifty. Right, and of course, '68 was also the year of people power that yep. triumphed and renewed the show for a third season, which right. had ins and outs. Maybe we can talk about that. The next time we have you come Absolutely. by. Absolutely. Okay. It's been awesome having you two here today. Well, thank you. Um, I, let's do it again, okay? Sure. Okay. The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry. Additional production by Ken Ray. All our documents are available, as always, at facebook.com slash the Trek Files. For more great podcasts, check out podcast.roddenberry.com. And for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek in Portal 47, that's me, at LarryNemechek.com. Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.